0: Hi, welcome to Comic Talk. I'm Joshua. And I'm Drew. And this week we're talking about Killer Be Killed. Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, Elizabeth Breweiser.
1: Bang! So, we've read a lot of stuff from this team. What do you think, right off the bat, sets this apart from all of that? Uh, the seemingly supernatural element. Yeah. See, I haven't read Fatal, from what I gather. There's um, a good deal of that in that. Oh, okay. But same from Brubaker. Like, I'm I'm not used to that. You know, yeah. Even back in, like, his, his comic book days and stuff. I mean, there's not a whole lot of supernatural stuff in, like, Catwoman, you know, or The Authority. Well, The Authority, I guess it was, but... Captain America. Yeah, everything sure. he, he
0: would do usually in superhero stuff was very... Like, it was the
1: opposite. Yeah, it was very grounded. Right. <laughs> it was
0: taking everything and grounding it and mm-hmm. making it. Uh, her Gotham Central is another good example. Right. right? Like, you'd take yeah. these big, ridiculous things and try to pull them down and turn them into, like, street-level kind of stories,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was almost his style for a while. You know, right. it was just taking the magic out of things. <laughs> yeah, take the magic away. And, you know, in a way, though...
0: Even though there's supernatural elements going on and it could be psychosis, too. We'll get into more like plot concepts here in a bit, but This is very ground level. This is very much a street level book, Mm -hmm. right? It's Mm -hmm. it's a guy You know taking out a couple dudes really sure it's not
1: unanalogous to criminal, right?
0: Uh, Let's start with just From here. Let's what, what did
1: you think? Oh, I loved it. I loved it too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I knew I was going to love it. Yeah. I assume so.
0: Let's talk a little bit about what this is then. So, you know, let's give them an idea of what they're in for if they haven't read this
1: yet. Oh, by the way, Brubecker has like a little mailing list thing now, um, which I had seen a few pages out of this from. Which is, I think, pretty much how I knew I was gonna love it. But if you haven't signed up for that and you're a fan, you should do that because it's cool. Yeah. There's a, without giving too much away, there's a guy that has to kill people to keep himself alive. Yeah. Yeah. It's um.
0: And he, he's like a, like a college kid.
1: Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And it.
0: Can I say? This for some reason it reminds me of Moon Knight a lot. Yeah. This almost feels like ed brubaker's rejected moon knight pitch i mean you know not i could not to be reductive of it but uh you know mild spoilers there's you know a spiritual thing that's making him go do stuff He's very no-nonsense-but-is-he-crazy kind of thing. Right, right. Uh, it starts out with kind of a hallway scene sort of sure. thing that we've seen in Moon
1: Knight a lot, where he's you know just bashing people and, you know. I mean, there are obvious uh, conceptual parallels, but as far as execution, um, there's not any Moon Knight that I've read that I would say is like this. No. No. Not really. But still, I, it
0: could be. I do feel but. like if you're curious what this might be, think Ed Brubaker does Moon Knight. You know what I mean? Sure. And you've got a general concept of what you're getting into with this book here. So, um, can I ask you? Do you what do you think? Do you think this supernatural stuff is actually supernatural stuff? going on here as far as my theories on where this is going yeah what are your fan
1: theories on what he's doing here I'm just curious Mm. you know it's hard to say I mean at this point I think it's like a legitimate thing you know but I think that he wants me to think it's a legitimate thing at this point right so well because I've always
0: kind of wanted uh, a Moon Knight story where you find out that he is actually just a crazy person. <laughs> right, yeah, that'd right? be cool. And yeah. I kind of feel like this is where that's going. I keep hoping, like, no, he's just a crazy person just killing people. And, right. you know what I mean? He's like uh, the guy, the John Lennon guy that, you know, heard the the dog told him to kill him. You know what I mean? Sure, and sure. he's just his dad's old, you know, pictures or whatever. Or... <laughs> You know, tell him to kill people and he's mm-hmm. just a crazy person. I I kind of feel like that's the vibe we're getting here. He, he jumped off of a roof and you know what I mean? Like yeah. fucked himself up
1: and now he's just a crazy person. Yeah, and there is yeah, definitely a reason to believe that. There's a definite plot device to be like, no, this whole time he was just out of his fucking mind and right. running around and killing people. Um, so I guess I mean we're well into spoiler territory on this, mm-hmm. so this is hard to talk about without spoiling. Uh, just is Spoiling. It's, it's, it's just spoilering. spoiling,
0: right? Oh, yeah. Well. I like spoiling. Spoiling. Yeah. I mean, this is an Ed Brubaker book, so let's. We talked about the plot a little bit, but let's let's move past that because you know the plot in his stuff is always cool, but I think it's it's a setup for a lot more usually in his work. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. he's, yeah. So,
1: depending on the protagonist. Like Dylan, like do I like the protagonist? Uh, Just general thoughts about him, I guess. Like, um, you know, we mentioned there is kind of a setup for him to be a crazy person, Mm. but aside from that, well, I mean, I like,
0: I like the the position that he's put in here. Um, He he's one of these kind of wishy-washy protagonists, you know that. It's hard to feel much for the guy, just because, at least for me, just because of kind of the way uh, he's so in unclear, and and we get two such very different concepts of the character. We get the guy that we see at the very beginning, who's telling us this story, that seems mm-hmm. very confident, mm-hmm. right, and then we get this very
1: different character well, from I mean, early on. Yeah. It- Admits that it goes in the back
0: Right. Well, yeah, definitely. But yeah,
1: so it's very clear. But but
0: but so what I mean though is is that like you're really asking about two characters. You know what I mean? Because they feel like the narrator is the same character, but he feels so different to me sure. than the character that's actually mostly in the story, which I think is is interesting. It's a mm-hmm. it's a cool read because you get uh, like right off the bat you see the character development. That has occurred, and really, what you're doing is you're getting
1: told the story that fills in. Sure, and that's what I was going to mention is that it seems like a device to go back and make an otherwise possibly unrelatable character relatable. Mm-hmm. You know, because the first issue, even the first few pages, starts off with a lot of you know very bold statements. Right. You know that people are going to absolutely agree, agree with or disagree with. So, you know, the ability to go back and kind of show them as. Just a regular nebulous-ass person, you know, serves that to that uh, to that end. Right, like yeah. prior to how he formed
0: right. to who he is at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're reading it, most of what you're getting, like, on the page as, like, the acting of the character, like the character as is on the page, is very wishy-washy character. But then, like, all the narration is this very, sure. like, delineated... Clear cut. I know exactly how I feel but about people, things, which
1: is cool. Yeah, right? people like wishy-washy people. Right, like, they find that relatable. Right, you know. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and, but part of
0: what happens here, because we're only in volume one, though, is that those don't, those don't yet come together. Sure. Right. Like, there's still two very different people, which which leaves a lot of room and
1: makes mm-hmm. me want to keep reading. Right. Sure. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if volume two and three were the same thing. You know, I mean logically progressing toward that end but nonetheless. And then um, yeah his whole like social situation thing I think probably also makes him relatable Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people have probably been in similar positions. Right sure the the sort of awkward
0: love triangle kind of thing that a lot Mm -hmm. of people deal with especially at that
1: age and that time in your life right that's very common and it's set up sort of to where you're you know you're rooting for him like it's obvious that you're gonna favor him like right. in this whole situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get this very uh, superhero classic kind of uh, well this can never well not it can never be but at least like right now it's not gonna work because you don't right. have to do this other thing that's right the use yeah. of some of the tropes are
0: really clever in here they yeah. they sort of take these tropes that are often just very grand sweeping tropes mm-hmm. that aren't really explored right they're just used as a trope right i I mean the idea of a trope is that you can skip all that that's Mm -hmm. normally the point like you don't have to explain. You don't need to describe it. You just go. Okay, that's People the like. Oh, yeah, that's that, the that's the he has too much to do, so he that, that's right. not going to work. But mm-hmm. instead of doing that, he takes the trope and he, he sort of deconstructs it. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't call this. Would you call this deconstructive work? I don't know if it's really deconstructive in that manner. No, um, or at least that's not the thrust of it, right?
1: Right. I don't feel like the point is to deconstruct the concept. Yeah, and uh, you know the bit about leading the double life, you know, is still very much the the center point of all of the tropes and stuff like that which I mean if it was deconstructive you know past that point I think we may see some sort of different starting point but I mean it feels appropriate for like where he is but it feels hilariously appropriate just because of you know probably the background of the reader coming in Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I feel
0: this this could easily be seen as deconstructive work but the to me the important difference between like what he's doing and what people like morrison do mm. or a lot of other deconstructive sure. authors is i think a lot of times to call something deconstructive it needs to be the point you know what i mean like like the point of yeah. what you're doing is to deconstruct sure. something that is normally just packaged and given to you right Mm -hmm. like um uh you know you take the trope and you break it apart but you're doing it to point out that it's normally not done Right. right like the point is to sort of hold it in front of the reader and give you a new perspective on it but this doesn't do that it does deconstruct a lot of like superhero and uh uh, like origin story kind of things mm-hmm. but i never felt like the idea was that Brubaker wants to
1: show you what these look like deconstructed it's not so simple right yeah that's kind of the point i was getting is it's not like he's pulling apart things for the sake of pulling things apart like it's it's almost like he's showing a love for those things and pulling them apart just enough to put this spin on them, but not really getting hung up on it and saying that I'm going to tell this type of story that's usually associated with this type of thing and deconstruct it from that standpoint. Right. To me, it feels like the intention here is
0: just character and world building. Yeah. And not, it, there, there's not some grand, like, let's break down comic books. So, right. you know, that's not what's happening here. It's, it's not so up its own ass I guess Right. you know it's yeah. it's more of just let's tell a great noir story of a character that kind of goes down this street level daredevil-y moon kind of path right? Mm, for sure.
1: So let's talk about some artwork in this. Let's do because uh, it's definitely worth talking about right? <laughs> so Phillips does some, some different stuff in this uh, what struck you as the same and what struck you as different? Well I mean, you know,
0: there's so many standard Phillips tricks in here. Like what? Uh, okay. People don't know. Sure. Well, he does tend to focus in pretty heavily on very clearly delineated uh, structure, mm-hmm. right? It He always seems to care a lot about ease of reading from panel to panel. Like, you can tell that that's an important piece of the artwork for him, which a lot of guys don't. They, they figure like they'll figure it out, right? right. Like, like the main thing is to make sure.
1: Okay, maybe the letterer that, will bring it
0: together. Right, you know? right, yeah, let the letterer bring it together with how the boxes, you know, sure. uh, how you move between the balloons. Uh, but you can tell that he puts a lot of care specifically into how he lays out his panels. Uh, there's also a lot of like, what I think of as signature, Sean Phillips, uh, one example being a full page, but one third of the page is white with with dialogue written down the side. See,
1: I haven't... That seems like a new device that he's using at least more heavily in this than in most prior projects. Probably heavily, more
0: heavily, I agree. But I've seen him do that. Specifically in almost everything I've seen him do uh, when he wants to give that kind of... uh, Pulled out. Pulled out, segue into a new thing Mm -hmm. kind of situation. He's using that here. What I see that's a lot different, though... Is he's pulled away from the very structured layout of like grid layouts that he's used very heavily in the last few things he's done. Uh, He's moved away from that pretty heavily. Mm -hmm. It's still very clearly laid out, but he's moved more towards a more modern layout structure where it's not just. You know, three by three and six by threes and mm-hmm. nine, nine and twelve panel. Mm-hmm. Like he's really broken free of that in here.
1: Yeah, and it seems like the third of the page thing probably um, is just something maybe that he was comfortable with and he feels like really fit the style of mm-hmm. what he was doing with mm-hmm. this. So you know, logically got my Let's give an example
0: of that third of a page because even in yeah. black and white, you can kind of see what I mean, this is to me, this is a standard. Phillips' device that he sure. uses at least a few times in everything he's ever done.
1: Yeah. And the other thing that I really love about him is just his shading. Mm-hmm. Like, what he doesn't show you in the images is priceless, man. It's it's the best. Right. You know? And uh, it almost has, like, that strange pull against Brubaker's style because he has a tendency to, like tell you like all the little detail things that you know nobody else would mm. and then here you have an artist that you know just kind of shades out most like the important parts of the face right <laughs> you know but right. then like everything else is really nice and good and, yeah. right yeah um and they also seem
0: to to work off of each other where uh, you know there is that line that the Brubaker probably crosses sometimes where he does a lot of telling because it's no, he, he's a very noir writer, so he likes to add those little details in about okay. what maybe, but instead of just telling like what there is, like he tends to go into like what the character has noticed. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, you're not getting that re-shown to you. Phillips will take that information and say, okay, that's already been told. Right? That so on the, something on on the page, you see something else or, mm-hmm. you know, a different angle or perspective that doesn't bother to include the bits mm-hmm. that you've already been told about, which, you know, takes a pretty, I think, experienced artist and somebody yeah. with a pretty damn clear vision of what they're doing mm-hmm. to be able to do that, to take what the writer has written and then not show that part. When you've got right. somebody so descriptive and verbose. Mm-hmm.
1: Novel-esque, maybe.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. So to get something so clearly told to you and then not just draw it on the page (laughs) is, you know... Pretty
1: pretty high concept y really, yeah, you like, know, from an artist perspective. How many people could, you know, take a popular novel and then make it into a graphic novel and like have it actually serve the story. Serve you know? a story yeah. other than just like, be a picture book. Right. Ninety nine point nine five percent of the time it just fucking adds pictures of what you're already making. Right. You
0: already know it. You don't right. really it doesn't wouldn't help anything. Mm-hmm. Now at the same time I think Breitweiser, Elizabeth you know, if we're talking about the shading and, and how things look, uh, sometimes colorists, not not really that important, right? They just sure. sort of color it as you would expect. But I think she plays a really important role in how this book looks and feels, right? Mm-hmm. The, the coloring is so, it's like very desaturated coloring, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't stick out when you're looking at it. And it's not really vibrant. No. Yeah. No, but it it sets so much tone mm-hmm. within the book the first of all the she's just not afraid to to just really smash everything into like a couple colors like yeah. when necessary you mm-hmm. know uh, she's not the kind of colorist who's looking to be the star, sure, and I think it it ends up really helping uh the overall narrative of it just mm-hmm. because it, it doesn't jump out at you it 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 like sits
1: you know what i mean and just adds like some flavor to the stew you know yeah yeah it's like the very overall like gray kind of mm. i mean it's perfect again for the story and it, it's also i i think she's doing that
0: thing i could be wrong but there's some artists who will take that old i think it's like 256 colors mm-hmm. that used to be printable back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I think she's using that shtick. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I feel I like that. this is that 256 mm-hmm. style that gives it a little bit of an old school feel.
1: I uh, because there's, there's a lot of choice here where the color doesn't always... Yeah, it's not what you would 100% ideally pick, but it works for some odd reason. Right, because it's yeah. a
0: very specific palette mm-hmm. of, like, complementary and contrasting colors. There's none of these middle ground colors that help bleed everything together. Sure. So even though it's, like, very subdued in what she's doing... The, there's still be, like, a mint green. Right. <laughs> the color it, yeah. choices that she's using are sort of
1: reduced, so there's some pop just from that, I think. Definitely. The last thing about the art, what did you think? Well, I'm going to tell you what I think. The The demon thing, I think, was odd mm-hmm. um, because it's a very – I mean, this is – a character to where they could have gotten into like that super grotesque detail and they did seemingly the exact opposite you know it's just kind of like a shady i mean almost cartoonish like you have a hard time like taking it seriously at first yeah uh and i'm just not sure about that choice yeah i i kind
0: of had the same thought i had sort of a really right reaction when i saw it uh it really caught me off guard but in that respect i think it it fulfills its purpose to me it did like on on reflection mm-hmm. or you know retrospection on it i felt like the fact that it seemed so out of place from the rest of the story artistically also made it to me as i'm reading feel questionable right yeah. because the character himself what is his name Dan? dylan dylan you know he questions it throughout yeah. like really Constantly. Yeah. you know like i don't know i And so it gave me the same reaction that he has whereas if they would have made it fit better Mm -hmm. i think i would have
1: accepted it more see my uh what do you call it rationalization behind it was a little bit different it's that the demon is going to be more and more of i think like a central character Mm -hmm. you know to this so you know pulling it like too far out and making it look like too drastically different from everything else would just be kind of a laborious thing after a while, and you know might detract from other things that you're trying to portray in the same scene as this guy, right? So, you know, having it really stripped down and just kind of shadowy makes it more usable visually, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. easier, sure. kind of
0: simpler to insert. I mean, because right. it's. Cause it's already out of place it gets to be out of place from then on mm-hmm. right like you've already if you buy into it then it's like okay it's all right that it looks sort of ridiculous yeah right like you've already said okay that's okay sure yeah i'll buy it well i guess the last question then is
1: are you going to keep reading it yeah yeah me too yeah I've yeah. been waiting for this to come out before the first issue came out, man. This is, yeah, this is my jam. Yeah, it's. And I really wasn't cool. disappointed. That's the thing about it. Yeah, I wasn't it either. I, mm-hmm. uh, I think didn't we both read this
0: in one sitting, didn't we? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Straight through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will tell you though, when I first read the first issue, mm-hmm. uh, I knew we were buying the trade, so I downloaded the first issue and just read it, mm-hmm. just because I was curious. I wasn't completely sold on it. Yeah? Yeah, but I knew I was stuck with just the one issue, and it was going to be months before I could see what else I was going to get. Uh, So I didn't love it right off the bat, but as soon as I had the whole thing in my hand, Mm -hmm. I did. Like, as soon as I knew I could get to the end of the volume and read, like, the whole thing that he had set out as, like, here's kind of the first story,
1: Uh, I was all in immediately. Oh, yeah. Brubaker, Phillips, uh, Breitweiser... Killer Be Killed Volume One. It's awesome. Oh, uh, who would you recommend it to? Um,
0: anybody into n- noir in general? That's yeah. always an obvious, you know, sure. Brie Baker recommendation. Uh, man, I don't know. I I have a hard time thinking of people that I would not recommend this to, other than just children.
1: Yeah, it's such. not appropriate for them. Yeah. By the way. So.
0: Yeah. Um, otherwise, just about anybody. I, I think this is also a good, like, starter comic for people that have just watched the Avengers uh, movies and, stuff. Movies and uh, oh, you know who this would be great for? Somebody who's watched like the Netflix Marvel shows. Alan really likes them, and it's like, yeah, those are really cool. I like how gritty they are and real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect for for those folks. You Definitely, know? Uh, especially if they're like, oh, I don't normally buy into superheroes. You know, I mean, there's some. I know so many of those people. Like, I'm not really into superheroes, but those Marvel shows are pretty cool. Right. This is, well, here's kind of you know where this can go, if you really get into the craft and get into reading real comics, real, yeah, real comics. Yeah. You know. So. All right. So there's that. Uh, as always, you can click right here. Uh, that has you know, the thing for subscribing. Yeah, and then there's we have other videos. there's other video things here that you can check out from past episodes cool yeah thanks for
1: stopping by y'all